There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in high school, I took part in the local college production of the musical Oliver. I was one of the best guardsmen you could imagine. Anyway, I had no real role, in other words. But one night I overheard the director talking to the young man who was playing Oliver. And he said to him, you know, they only write plays about extraordinary people, not ordinary people. I've never forgotten that line. I know I've used it in newsletters or sermons in the past, so forgive me for not always having fresh material. But it does make a lot of sense that media is not produced about ordinary people, but it is produced about extraordinary people. I mean, it'd be pretty boring to watch a movie about someone doing their taxes or educating their children or vacuuming their house or someone who repairs computers for a living. If the plot of a story was any of our average years, it would not exactly draw a lot of eyeballs. And so it is the case that the stories that are told, the documentaries that are produced, and the fictional heroes of our television shows and movies are extraordinary. They have extraordinarily good looks, or genius intellects, or superhuman strength, or they've survived or achieved something of note against all odds. They're worthy of their stories being told precisely because they are special or unique or surprising. Meanwhile, because I think all of these various media in our lives, media that really didn't exist for the vast majority of human history, only focuses on the extraordinary, those of us who are in fact ordinary, well, we might begin to develop some chips on our shoulders or some psychological shortcomings. If the only stories we ever hear are of heroes, then who are we? Do the small people even matter? Do small things matter? You know, like taking out the trash or working an eight to five. Or is it just curing cancer and winning sports championships 
that matters? Are people who have the appropriate number of views or followers the ones who truly count? I'm no sociologist or psychologist, but it seems to me that a lot of people are succumbing to this sense or feeling of irrelevancy. We continue, for example, to see a rise in suicide and depression and alienation. And maybe that has something to do with the way that we lionize people who are so extraordinary. Here's a quote from the American Psychological Association. The increase in the rate of death by suicide in the United States between 2000 and 2016 went from 10.4 to 13.5 per 100,000 people, which is about a 30% increase in that time. Or did you know that suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States in 2016? In fact, just this year, if you compare, say, COVID-19 to death by suicide, and if you look at it in terms of years lost, about 19 times more years were lost to suicide than to COVID-19. Well, of course, younger people may commit suicide, and COVID-19 tends to kill the old. But you get the idea. Now, of course, this is all a complex topic, and I'm sure there are many reasons for these kinds of statistical increases. But I think that the, the pressure that is implied, really built in in many ways to the fabric of our culture from the media glamorizing the extraordinary is a factor. You know, life just isn't worth living if you don't achieve something extraordinary or meet some impossibly high standard. That might even be something that we're unaware of or we might even not know to or find it hard to verbalize. We're just ordinary. We're losers, even. We aren't special. And even though we've been told our whole lives how unique and special we are, those same people who say those sorts of things only ever highlight the extraordinary. I'm looking at you, Disney. Well, as I've said before, it's not the media's job to present to you the real world. In fact, it's not even in their interests. But if we can have the discipline and the desire to receive the gifts that God offers to us, then we can see that in God's world, being ordinary is good. It is perfectly okay. In fact, the heroes, if you will, of our stories and our lessons today are, are very ordinary people. John and Mary are not rich, famous, or powerful, or even especially brilliant or beautiful. And yet God uses them for his work of redemption. Now it is true that John does come across as a bit eccentric, maybe a bit of an oddball to us. But notice what he does in the text from John. His ministry is not about himself at all. In fact, he goes to great lengths to point away from himself and towards Christ. They are asking him, who are you? And he says, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. In fact, he says he's not even worthy to do a job that even slaves in a household would not do, which is take the slave off of their master's, or take the uh, sandal off of their master's foot. 
John really only has a serious commitment to the Word of God. The same kind of commitment that any of us can have. It's available to all of us. There is nothing in our life, especially in our still free country, that prevents us from pointing away from ourselves and to Christ. John wasn't some action movie star, and he never won some talent show. You know, what are they, uh, what are those talent shows called now? I should have thought of this ahead and made a joke about a talent show in the desert in the wilderness or something. But anyway, you get the idea. He was an ordinary person. He had no specific gifts. He simply knew that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and pointed out that to everyone that he could. Mary was also ordinary. Though she's often depicted in art as beautiful, there's no reason to think that she was even if that matters, which it doesn't. But you do see that points out how conditioned we are to place more value on beautiful people than is merited. So the artists oblige us, and they take those liberties. Mary was certainly not a notable figure in politics or by lineage. She was a peasant girl who had really nothing but a normal life to look forward to of domestic work and making sacrifices at the temple and raising children. And that, that was by no means a bad life. It was just an ordinary life, the kinds of life that billions and billions of people have lived. The disciples were also ordinary people. They did not rank in the top of their class. In fact, they probably flunked out, which is why they were available to sit at the feet of Jesus when he came and called them to be his disciples John MacArthur has written a book about the disciples called Twelve Ordinary Men. They were at times brave and sometimes embarrassingly sinful, but they were most certainly ordinary. What I'm trying to say is that the Bible consistently points out that things are really the exact opposite of how they often seem to us. God prizes and values the ordinary life, and he is most certainly aware of it. Jesus specifically says, for example, that if we cannot be faithful in the little things, then how can we be entrusted with the big things? Well, that means the little things, the ordinary things, the mundane things matter a great deal in the kingdom of God. Jesus never praises people in all of his travels for being rich or well-known, or for having some high status in society. In fact, he doesn't seem to care about that at all. In fact, it's usually a problem. Well, it's harder for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven than to, uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. These things are encumbrances, you see, to work in the kingdom. In fact, he criticizes the powerful over and over again, and the thing he lifts up more than anything among the rich and the poor is their faith. But perhaps no more piercing blow is landed against the influencers and powerful and extraordinary, quote-unquote, than this Magnificat. The song Mary sings upon learning that she would bear the Christ. Listen to what God says through her song. God scatters the proud. He brings down the mighty from their thrones. He lifts up the lowly and he feeds the hungry. 
The rich are sent away empty, but a peasant girl is entrusted with the riches of the universe. So be careful what you wish for. It may be the case that vile, crude men and women rise up in the ranks and influence our culture and play leading roles in film, maybe even playing roles of scandalous people. But I don't see much evidence that these are the people that God is using to build his kingdom. No, I think it's far more likely that it is you that he is using in your daily vocations when you honor God with your work and faith and duty. And I believe God's promises found in this Magnificat text are for you. He says this, He will do great things for us and will remember his Israel in mercy. That is a far better promise than the temporal descriptor of extraordinary. Amen.